Chapter Six of the Subjection of Isabel Carnaby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Subjection of Isabel Carnaby by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter Six Isabel's Views the secretary of state for war lord kesterton was dining with the seatons one evening not very long after fabia's appearance in their midst the party consisted of mr greenstreet a rising author miss vipart and himself and the conversation as is usual in political circles turned upon politics there are no such people for talking shop as politicians there is no shop more fascinating to talk but in every world be it the political world or the literary or the artistic or the religious or any other world that ever was created there is nothing so well worth talking as shop and nothing that clever people are more ready and stupid people more reluctant to discourse upon there is something very weird and strange in the ordinary man's deeply ingrained horror of conversing upon the one subject upon which he is competent to converse he appears to consider it a virtue on his part to avoid as if it were the plague the one thing upon which he is at home and to descant at length upon those matters about which he knows absolutely nothing he is obsessed with a wild notion that he will become a bore to his hearers if he endeavours to interest them in those questions in which he himself is interested little wrecking poor deluded soul that he is in far more imminent danger of becoming a bugbear if he strives to instruct them in matters about which they know far more than he people are never really at their best except when they are talking about what is commonly called shop for it is only then that they thoroughly forget themselves and lose themselves in their subject even a plumber if he talked pure plumb would be well worth listening to he might enlighten even the most enlightened among us as to why he always leaves his inevitable white lead at home and has to go back again to fetch it before he can do anything and why he usually begins his day's work half an hour before dinner-time and might explain other mysterious matters connected with his own peculiar profession which the lay mind has long striven in vain to grasp but take him off his own subject and then probably he will be very poor company indeed and what is true of him is more or less true of us all it must be admitted however that women are less blameworthy in this respect than men principally because though frequently less selfish they are as a rule more egotistic they rarely shrink from talking pure and unadulterated shop especially with each other 
if the shop happens to be in any sense of the word a workshop all well and good the talker is usually worth listening to but if the emporium resolves itself into nothing more than a cook-shop or a baby linen warehouse well then heaven help the listener all of which brings us back to the starting point that the seatons and their guests were talking shop how long do you think we shall be able to keep ourselves in office lord kesterton with such a mighty atom of a majority asked isabel it makes life hard for the women and children of the party when the majority is so small that the men can hardly ever come home to dinner the men of the party ought to feel flattered mrs seaton isabel shook her head not if they knew the truth men would very rarely feel flattered if they knew the truth that is why really good kind women try their best to keep it from them a noble effort nobly sustained exclaimed greenstreet what is the unflattering truth in this case inquired lord kesterton with the smile which isabel never failed to evoke from him the truth is that when the men don't come home to dinner the women don't get enough to eat of course when we're dining out it is all right as we then not only get enough to eat but we can tell all our best stories as effectively and untruthfully as we like without having any tiresome husband at hand to pick the embroidery off but no woman can order a proper dinner for herself alone such a course is in direct opposition to her finest and most feminine instincts paul looked quite serious isabel this is very wrong of you he said i thought dinner went on just the same whether i was here or not ah that is just what a man would think to him dinner is the sort of thing that always must happen like the sunrise or the opening of parliament or christmas day but a woman loves to evade it if she can it is the nature of her to do so something in her make somebody once said that an ordinary woman's favourite dinner is an egg in the drawing-room and it is quite true i couldn't enjoy a lord mayor's banquet half as much as the dear little scratch meals i have on a tray in my boudoir before i go to the theatre when paul isn't here i have long noticed remarked mr greenstreet and marvelled at the universal passion of women of all classes of society for what they call something on a tray to the masculine mind things on trays are unsatisfying and repellent but to the feminine body they are as the very manna from heaven miss vipart he continued turning to fabia confess that you too feel the fascination of something on a tray i do replied fabia i confess it unhesitatingly i enjoy quite as much as mrs seaton does our little picnics in the boudoir before we rush off to the play greenstreet sighed i suspected as much bread eaten in secret is the favourite food of the normal woman it is merely another proof of her innate distaste for everything that is straightforward and above board 
not a bit of it retorted the host it is a proof of her innate unselfishness if only her men-kind are properly cared for she doesn't care a rap what happens to herself hear hear cried isabel from the other end of the table i have much pleasure in seconding the amendment of the honourable member it is our glorious unselfishness that is at the root of the tray system no woman is capable of the deliberate and cold-blooded selfishness of ordering a full true and particular dinner for her own consumption why if you remember even eve couldn't properly enjoy the celebrated apple until she'd got her husband to share it with her and we are all like that bless our dear little hearts you are you are echoed the devoted husband and no one knows it better than my fortunate self it is always elevating said lord kesterton to hear the remarks upon matrimony by benedict the married man when his wife happens to be within earshot added greenstreet at a large dinner party it is interesting and instructive to note the difference between the conversation of the men whose wives can hear what they are saying and the conversation of the men whose wives can't there isn't much they can't hear if they want to said paul with a laugh the experienced husband doesn't trust too much to any apparent disability on that score for shame for shame mr seaton for letting out the secrets of the prison-house in this way exclaimed fabia greenstreet fairly groaned secrets good heavens she calls them secrets she thinks that the world cannot see the manacles of the model husband or else mistakes them for garlands of roses for an unrivalled power of sprinkling a few grains of sand on the top of her bonnet and thinking that she thereby successfully hides herself and her foibles from the trained eye of man give me not the much maligned ostrich but woman lovely woman all the same mr greenstreet fabia persisted i don't believe that men do see the faults and failings of their wives don't you miss vipart replied greenstreet well then all i can say is that seaton must be a very clever man you've been staying in this house for several weeks now haven't you yes five greenstreet looked thoughtful a very clever man a marvellously clever man seaton i have always admired your varied gifts but until this moment i never did you full justice isabel laughed with delight she had a great liking for mr greenstreet because he always talked nonsense to her and isabel was one of the women who revel in the talking of nonsense lord wrexham had never talked nonsense to her if he had she would probably by now have been the wife of the prime minister instead of only the wife of the under-secretary for war and even paul did not talk as much nonsense to her as she would have liked he would perhaps have been wiser in his dealings with her if he had not always been quite so wise 
Satan, Greenstreet continued, gifts such as yours cannot languish in oblivion. A man with your marvelous slow-sightedness and your unparalleled dullness of perception cannot fail to end your days as either emperor of china or prime minister of england here his hostess interrupted him talking of prime minister reminds me that you've never answered my question lord kesterton how long is wrexham going to keep the party in office with such a small majority considerably longer than anybody else could do in his place replied lord kesterton that is all i can tell you why will lord wrexham keep the party in office longer than other people could asked fabia because my dear young lady he possesses all the qualities requisite for an ideal prime minister and pray what are they continued fabia pursuing the subject and pleased that she should if only for a moment have diverted the attention of the secretary of state for war from isabel to herself his first and finest gift lord kesterton replied is the solid absence of anything approaching brilliancy the great heart of the english people does not love brilliant men why not because my dear miss vipart it does not understand and therefore cannot trust them human nature rarely trusts what it cannot understand and how can a nation whose blood is beer and whose body is roast beef place confidence in persiflage or find security in epigram and what other fine quality has lord wrexham besides the absence of brilliancy fabia further inquired he is very practical and he has an admirable temper and is an admirable temper such an excellent thing in statesmen asked greenstreet most excellent was lord kesterton's reply as indeed in everybody else the statesman who loses his temper loses his followers the man who loses his temper loses his friends and what about the woman who loses her temper asked fabia lord kesterton bowed with mock gallantry there is no such person my dear young lady a woman never loses her temper some of them manage to do something singularly like it at times remarked greenstreet no lord kesterton repeated a woman never loses her temper she merely now and again condescends to give certain persons what she calls a piece of her mind and what is the difference between doing that and losing her temper the whole difference in the world my dear miss vipart the difference between an involuntary loss and a votive offering between the payment of a water rate and a libation to the gods between having one's pocket picked and giving at a collection added isabel and between compulsory taxation and the revenues of the s p c k precisely agreed lord kesterton and what other qualities entitle lord wrexham to be an ideal prime minister 
fabia went on he invariably says the obvious thing and whenever it is possible does nothing at all the great art of popular instruction is to teach people what they already know just as the great secret of successful leadership is to learn how to stand absolutely still and what else asked paul who was enjoying this disquisition upon his leader he is very prudent and he is very protestant and prudence and protestantism are the two great cornerstones of english national life and very good cornerstones too added paul it seems to me remarked fabia that an ideal prime minister must have all the virtues that begin with p he must be prudent and patient and practical and protestant isabel gave a deep sigh i don't think you'll ever be an ideal prime minister paul because you're not very patient and you're not at all prudent and you never say the obvious thing unless it is the thing that is obviously too good to be true paul endeavoured to clear himself well anyway i'm protestant enough he said in self-justification isabel sighed again yes you are charmingly protestant but i'm not sure that that is enough in itself though of course it is a great deal then she put her head on one side and looked at her husband through her eyelashes as if he were some work of art that she was appraising i love my love with a p because he is protestant i hate him because he is progressive he lives in prince's gardens lives upon platitudes his name is paul and i'll give him the premiership for a keepsake paul smiled but he winced a little underneath the smile isabel was sometimes so terribly accurate in hitting the nail precisely in the middle of its head my wife is always reproving me for being unpractical and idealistic he said turning to lord kesterton is she indeed then you will do well to listen to her seaton men who are married never lack the opportunity of hearing the truth about themselves and if they are wise men they will sometimes avail themselves of it hear hear applauded isabel but with all due deference to my wife and the other members of his majesty's government i cannot give up my belief that it is enthusiasm that really makes the world go round i cannot forswear my creed that it is in what you call idealism that the hope for the future of the race and the nation lies surely it is by appealing to the highest in human nature that we evoke the highest it is by treating men as reasonable beings that we make them reasonable beings it is by regarding them as heroes that we enable them to attain to heroism lord kesterton nodded his head two or three times perhaps was all he said paul went on i think all you wise and prudent people make one initial mistake you confuse cause and effect you believe that men must be trained to bear responsibility before they can be trusted with 
responsibility that they must become good citizens before they can act as good citizens in short that they must never be allowed to wet their feet until they have learned to swim it would save a good many lives from drowning if that rule were carried out murmured isabel sotto voce but her husband did not hear her she did not intend that he should now i maintain he continued his usually grave face alight with enthusiasm that you are putting the cart before the horse i hold that it is only by being entrusted with responsibility that men learn how to use responsibility that it is only by reading that a man learns how to read that it is only by walking that a child learns how to walk i do not believe that men perform heroic deeds because they are heroes i believe that they finally become heroes because they have got into the habit of performing heroic deeds our actions are not the outcome of our characters it is our characters that are the results of our actions a king is not a king because he knows how to rule he knows how to rule because he is a king then your idea is said kesterton not that we must withhold power from any section of the people until we believe they are fit to be entrusted with power but we must entrust them with it in order to make them fit exactly replied paul and i further believe that the more power the people have the more wisely they will use it that the more implicitly we trust them the more fit they will show themselves to be implicitly trusted you believe in human nature more than isabel does said fabia but he doesn't love it any thing like as much retorted the maligned hostess he begins believing that every woman is an angel and every man a hero and then when the angel begins to scold and the hero flies in terror to his club for refuge paul is utterly disgusted and washes his hands of the pair for ever now i know that at heart every man is a coward and every woman a shrew and i like them all the better for it and it makes them seem more like relations of ours with a strong family likeness it is rather a hard saying on your part to call every man a coward objected lord kesterton much amused no it isn't on the contrary it proves that i am able fully to appreciate them when they do perform heroic deeds if a hero behaves like a hero there is nothing in it he can't help behaving like a hero any more than a sewing-machine can help behaving like a sewing-machine or an umbrella can help behaving like an umbrella but if a coward suddenly behaved like a hero it is something very splendid and wonderful indeed just as it would be if an umbrella in an emergency ran up a seam or if a sewing-machine spread sheltering wings to ward off the rain the soundness of your reasoning is only surpassed by the striking nature of your metaphors murmured greenstreet isabel continued 
naturally then i am much fonder of my shrews and my cowards who on special and great occasions behave like angels and heroes than paul is of his heroes and angels who in everyday life behave like cowards and shrews i always pity and love and am sometimes surprised into acute admiration he always exhorts and demands and is almost invariably disappointed and disgusted then cried fabia you believe that the coward who sometimes behaves like a hero is a finer man than the hero who often behaves like a coward of course he is he is much more human while his act is much more divine that is the whole point it is when people suddenly do things beyond themselves that the age of miracles begins and that startling effects are produced look at balaam and his ass and how awfully upset he was when she did what he believed she was incapable of doing and reproved him but do you suppose it would have had any effect upon him if instead of his ass it had been his wife who began scolding and objecting and begging him to stay at home not a bit of it it would have been just what he was used to and what he expected and would have had no effect upon him at all paul smiled fondly at his wife even if you succeed in convincing us that every man is a coward nothing will induce me to accept the dogma that every woman is a shrew now for my part remarked greenstreet i considered that by far the more plausible of the two tenets of mrs seaton's creed isabel laughed gaily therefore you must see that when a woman behaves like an angel it is all the more credit to her doubtless it would be but personally i have never come across an instance replied the author i have said paul quietly and such a striking one that it has apparently led me into the not uncommon error of generalizing from a single instance isabel blew him a kiss thank you she said then she went on all of which is very nice and interesting but it hasn't answered my question as to how long lord wrexham thinks that the liberals will remain in office until the next dissolution anyway i feel sure that if we were beaten upon a question in the house of commons he would take the verdict of the country before he would resign and do you think we shall get a majority at the next general election lord kesterton that i cannot tell mrs seaton it lies in the lap of the gods but one thing i can say i would rather be beaten altogether than continue in office with as small a majority as we have at present too small a majority in the house of commons is a source of weakness to any government i believe that we shall have a tremendous majority at the next general election cried paul a majority that will enable us to do great things 
you do not think your husband is right mrs theaton said lord kesterton as isabel rose from the table and he moved his chair for her to pass no she replied slowly as she looked with half envious admiration at the enthusiasm shining in paul's eyes i often don't think he is right but i still oftener wish that i could be as wrong as he is End of chapter 6